Tom Sumner program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Bear Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into uh, Hour 3, or as I like to call it, the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk about workplace culture this hour with diversity and inclusion executive and founder of Breaking Glass Forums, uh, Cynthia O. Young, who joins me by phone. She's the author of uh, a new book this year uh, called All Are Welcome, How to Build a Real Workplace Culture of Inclusion that deliver, or that Delivers Results. Um, and Cynthia O. Young joins me by phone. Cynthia, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. Let me let me ask you about this a little bit because I've had you know several conversations with people um, that have have written books and and tried to spell out ways that we can do a better job of being uh, diverse and inclusive um, in the workplace, but you know even in society at large. But um, how how do we define that for businesses because? I think a lot of businesses, Cynthia, um, just for the purposes of getting our conversation started, seem to think it's a numbers game. If we have X Mm -hmm. number of indigenous people and X number of African Americans and X number of women, we're diverse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, what does does it mean to be truly diverse? Yeah, I mean, definitely the way that many businesses think about it today, I think you're right, Tom, they, they do think about it as a, a representation numbers game. And, and to some extent it is, but that's not the entire story um, around diversity and inclusion, right? I, I think, you know, to, to some, um, for some businesses, you know, especially if you don't see a lot of diverse representation inside the company from a race, gender, um, you know, military status, disability status, um, other dimensions of diversity perspective, uh, there, there's definitely something to be said about focusing on representation. But what I also tell a lot of uh, companies is that you can't only focus on representation. You have to also focus on inclusion and equity and belonging, um, and inclusion probably being the, the first and foremost area of, of those three because you, um, 
you know, it's one thing to bring diversity into the door of a company. It's another thing to have that diversity want to stay and to have the opportunity to thrive. Um, and that's what the inclusion, equity, and belonging pieces are about. Um, you really want to make sure that people feel welcome, that they have equitable access to opportunities, that they feel a strong connection to the company um, so that they will uh, stay and, and grow and thrive. Um, and those are the things that really help make that diversity mix work. Too often, um, Cynthia, what happens is in a, in a company, they say, well, you know, we'd like to expand our following um, in various communities. So if we have people from those communities represented on our sales team or on our board of directors, we might make out better. Um, but then they really don't take advantage of the two way of that it's you know it's not just good enough to have a person of color talking about the virtues of a company to people of color without people of color reporting back to the company how they're being perceived do you know what i mean by definitely. that definitely yes definitely and, and yeah. i don't think that second part happens enough i mean I, and not for lack of wanting it to, but maybe of knowing how. You know, that's a really great point, Tom. It's that lack of knowing how. I think there's um, a lot of people, the majority of people out there have really good intention in this space where they want equality, they want equity, they want people to have um, access to opportunity. Um, but what what happens is very often they they just don't know how how to accomplish that right um, and and so to you know your your earlier uh, part of the question um, you know companies will are definitely looking at how can I increase representation of diversity on my board how can I increase um, representation of the, the sales force um, that is doing outreach to different communities. And, and that's really important because communities want to see themselves reflected in whoever is reaching out to them. Otherwise, it's seen as not authentic, right? Like you can't, ha you can't say that you're committed to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging um, if you don't demonstrate that in some way um, and visible diversity is one key way that many people look at as a demonstration, uh, a tangible demonstration of that, that commitment. Um, but very often it has to go deeper, right? Like you have, yes, you should definitely uh, have as uh, diverse a workforce as you can possibly have that is on par and, um, you know, with what uh, the available talent pools are. Um, but you also have to think about how does that actually permeate my practices? How does um, how am I creating an environment that is truly inclusive, where people can be their authentic selves and fulfill their highest potential and do the best work of their lives at my company? Um, and this, they, if you do that well, then that will translate into great business results, right? We, there's a lot of research out there that talks about how companies that do really embrace diversity and inclusion in authentic um, ways uh, are better financial performance 
in the, have better financial performance in the marketplace, are more innovative, are more creative, and are able to, to reach more diverse marketplaces and expand their business development uh, efforts. And so, um, you know, I think there's a lot of benefits for companies to really think about this. And for leaders, you know, it, it, when, when it's about what to do, they, they just really need to listen. They need to listen to their employees. They need to talk to people who are different from themselves. They need to understand the issues and get educated and aware about them. Um, and that will guide um, what they need to do to really uh, achieve a diverse and equitable workplace. You know, it's interesting. You said something about between leaders and um, the the labor force. And it this isn't just a, a, a situation... Um, of of race, it's the whole idea of top down management. If you've got management people that aren't taking advantage of a work a workforce to give input into decisions that are made in company ABC, um, mm-hmm. it, it's you're really missing an opportunity and that has to do with management and labor as as well as building up that that management and labor force to be more diverse and more inclusive that's absolutely right um i you know i think that uh for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging to, to really work, it has to be done and thought about at all levels of the company, not just management and not just top-down, but there's an element of um, definitely needing that, right? You have to have leadership commitment and influence and authority and drive to really um, help people understand what change needs to happen to really achieve that diverse and equitable workplace. But you also need to couple that with um, the front line, the grassroots, the labor force that, that is um, really doing the, the majority of the work at, at companies, uh, where very often you find that's where much of your um, diverse representation tends to enter the workforce and you know, um, many times are overrepresented at lower levels. Uh, of, of a company versus uh, higher leadership management levels. And so that's that, you know, it's imperative that leaders really take the time to listen and understand um, their uh, frontline labor uh, workforces needs and issues. Um, and, you know, and I, I also think that it's important not to discount what is often called that frozen middle, right? That layer of middle management, because what makes or breaks an employee's experience is often what they experience within their team and what they experience within, you know, within their direct manager's purview. Um, and so those middle managers play probably one of the most key roles to an inclusive, welcoming experience of belonging for employees than any other person in the company. Um, and so we have to make sure that those leaders are equipped to manage across difference, that they're trained around uh, inclusion issues, that they know what it means to be an inclusive leader and to demonstrate curiosity um, and courage and to really have 
um, some of the tough conversations that need to happen to to uh, drive positive change around diversity and inclusion. I, I think it's really important to operate at all levels uh, of a company to drive change and make it happen. Well, yeah, because it's it's often the people on the front line that might have the best possible ideas with regard to all kinds of very important things to a company like quality management and efficiency. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I uh, have had the good fortune of, throughout my career, working with, you know, thousands of employees on the front lines um, through uh, communities like employee resource groups, which many companies have. They're often called affinity groups um, uh, or business resource groups at, at different companies. Um, and while they go by different names, um, they're essentially grassroots employee-driven communities that are um, connected through some common characteristic, whether that's a dimension of diversity, like being a parent um, or um, sharing a military background or, um, you know, being a woman uh, or non-binary in, in the workforce, like all, whatever dimension it might be, these communities form because they want to provide support for each other, um, especially when your numbers inside companies tend to be fairly small. Um, it's, it's really important to find a community that you feel a sense of belonging to and that where you can have shared experience and connection. Um, and so, you know, through these employee resource groups, we often get the best insights around what needs to happen at the company, you know, what problems need to be solved, how different communities are being served um, as customers of that company, and, um, you know, ways in which we can actually uh, drive more market uh, innovation and um, better customer service to these different communities. Um, I'll give you, like, a really good example of that. At one company that I worked at, we were launching uh, a new product that was um, uh, geared towards women. And um, before we launched it, we actually gathered uh, and talked to several focus groups internally of our women employees that were part of our employee resource group. And they gave us so much great insight and content areas and, and things to think about and ways to appeal to the marketplace that really helped us develop the right product to meet that marketplace's needs, um, in addition, obviously, to getting, like, real customer feedback. But that, that's, that's, like, just one of many elements that we do in developing products that are really going to be successful to that um, particular audience. Um, and when we launched, it, it was a, a, a great success. Um, ended up being um, number one in its category when it launched. And so I, I think that getting feedback, getting your employees involved can really help drive um, uh, the right product and innovation and service that, that you have in the marketplace. Cynthia, I have to take a short break here, and I want to talk about this some more because there are some attitude adjustments that we need to encourage. Uh, can you stick around for a few minutes? 
Absolutely. Happy All right. to. Thank you, Tom. My guest is Cynthia O'Young, author of All Are Welcome. And you all are welcome to join us for more after we let our broadcast partners squeeze in a few words. We'll be right back. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. 
No, I get it, you're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week, a doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nussel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. As we continue our conversation uh, about diversity uh, in the workplace with the author of a new book called All Are Welcome, How to Build a Real Workplace Culture of Inclusion that Delivers Results. The author is uh, Cynthia O. Young, and uh, she joins me by phone. Cynthia, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no, it was fun listening to everybody talk about your program. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I mentioned before we went to break, Cynthia, that I wanted to talk about a couple of attitude adjustments, and that's with uh, people on the on the front line, the, the entry-level employees of a company, and I'm thinking of fairly large companies. Uh, they might technically be, be considered small businesses if it's 100 or so, but... Um, but I'm I'm thinking about how leaders have this this idea that if they that somehow they're not doing their job right if they don't have all the answers, and people on the front line don't think that their ideas or their suggestions have value, and and sometimes they're not as likely to make suggestions and and share in the decision making um, because they don't have the confidence to do that how do we how do we get those two extremes in a room together problem solving I think you just do it I you know I think I mean, really, it's it's not that hard, right? I mean, people just need to come together and be intentional about saying to themselves, like, you know, there's probably perspective that I'm not hearing um, or I might be missing um, or that I need to hear because I don't know enough about this community or their needs um, that I want to go out there and I want to talk to people and, and get get that perspective. Um, and so I think it's incumbent upon leaders to really just like reach out. Um, I think you have to just reach out to people on the front lines on a regular basis to gather that um, perspective. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and <coughs> apologies, I have a frog in my throat. All right. Apologies, Tom. I'm going to try to talk through this. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, I think it's really important for um, leaders to do uh, interviews and focus groups and really talk to their employees to get the ideas that are on the front line around what's happening, what's happening with customers, what's happening with um, operations and processes and systems, what issues they might be encountering, and uh, really get that perspective to, to uh, make 
better decisions about what needs to happen moving forward and better position your company for the future. Uh, Cynthia, would you like to take a minute and, and clear your throat and, and get a little drink or something? That would be great. Just give me one second. Okay. My guest is Cynthia O'Young. She is a diversity and inclusion executive and founder of Breaking Glass Forums and the author of a book called All Are Welcome, How to Build a Real Workplace Culture of Inclusion that Delivers Results. And, uh, and we're talking about some of the... Um, some of the attitudes that people at various levels within a company uh, uh, might have that need changing and how they might go about changing those things. Um, Cynthia, are you still with me? All right. I'm back, and hopefully I'm better. So we'll see if that, you uh, you sound, hopefully that won't come back. You sound better. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Cynthia, we were talking about how we get people in different levels of companies to, um, you know, it, it, admit that they have um, some attitude adjusting to do. At the top, they have to be more open. Well, and at the bottom, they need to be more open. I, and, and I hate to think in terms of top and bottom, but for lack of, of better terminology, um People who have just started out with a company usually don't feel very secure in their position or like they're making much of a contribution. And a lot of people are working jobs just to get a paycheck. And they're not really that interested in how the company fares as long as they're getting their check. And what can managers, middle managers, or top-level managers how can they inspire people that are new to a company to open up and share ideas and help them make decisions? How can they make them feel um, more valued? Yeah, you know, I think it all comes down to the culture and tone that you set for the company um, as a leader, right? I think um, leaders that are really intentional about building cultures that are open um, that welcome feedback, uh, that provide different ways to give feedback, whether that's as simple as like having a suggestion box, right, or um, the online version of that uh, for more distributed companies, um, uh, or, you know, doing regular employee surveys where you ask employees what's, you know, going on, or even having open Q&As with uh, employees either, um, during uh, staff meetings or all hand meetings or any any you know any sort of channel that is available to you, um, I think if if leaders really set the tone that and an expectation that we want to hear from people, that we we want we welcome your ideas, and then you actually follow through with implementing them. Right. I think the it, the the biggest motivator for for folks to share what they're actually thinking and feeling and really participate in decision making is to see your input actually valued and used and applied in some way. Um, and so, you know, for that employee who made a suggestion to um, uh, improve the way that we. 
um, run a system or a process, right, to actually see that put into action and for leaders to credit that employee and recognize where where that feedback came from and why they made these shifts um, and what it's actually doing uh, for the company as a result. Like hearing those stories inside companies is part of what will really encourage people to speak up and speak out and and feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves, right? If you have uh, if you can connect that work to like the mission and purpose of the company and how it impacts your customers, um, I think that that can be really, really inspiring for a lot of folks, right? If you're changing the face of technology or, or um, helping people interact with the world in a different way or like giving them, you know, access to uh, the essentials that they need, um, which we are all intimately familiar with in the last two years of the pandemic, right? Like, there are so many different messages and ways that we can inspire people to really think about their roles as more than just the jobs that they do, but connected to a bigger, broader purpose that I think can really inspire folks to get involved and to put in more than um, they're necessarily asked to do um, and, you know, provide that insight and, and ideas to, uh, to leaders so that we can make um, our workplaces the best places possible. You know, it's interesting. You pointed out uh, that you make sure that people making suggestions know that their suggestions are being heard. And I found myself in a situation once where I managed a small team and someone had made a suggestion to me that and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that they were making a a small adjustment to a much bigger problem and it and it caused me to think of uh, of a whole new area I, I mean it really it inquired bringing in more people and you know making a much bigger policy change than what had been suggested and i sat down with that person before i announced the policy change to let them know how what their that their suggestion had led me to a series of decisions that that ultimately led to this bigger policy change so that they knew that their suggestion had been considered and valued and that I just took it a step further. That's a perfect example. Exactly. And, you know, and I would... I because would, it's uh, not always exactly the right suggestion, but if it gets you thinking about something that could work better um, and and it leads you to, to make a decision, you really need to let that person know that they were a part of it. You do. Absolutely. Um, they, you know, people need to have credit for spurring the idea generation as well. Um, and again, that's, that's part of how you, you help people see that their opinions matter. Um, and, and that will drive even more involvement and suggestions in the future. Um, and, and I think that that's part of how we help workplaces be more uh, inclusive, right? Like that's how we want we want to encourage people to share their experiences and their ideas and their perspectives, um, so that we can, you know, improve um, the the workplace in in different ways. 
what are the actions that that people need to take that are trying to steer a team, whether they're middle managers or top managers? What are the actions they need to take that ensure that their efforts are not just rhetoric, they're not just talking about change, they're actually doing change? There are so many, but I think step one is really getting educated um, and understanding um, the people on your team, understanding what they want, understanding what they see as concerns, um, and, uh, and really then taking that understanding and applying it in different ways, right? So, you know, you, you always want to continuously take stock of whether the behaviors that you're engaging in as a manager uh, are really equitable across the board, you know, that you're, you're not playing favorites, um, that you are uh, considering uh, all of the strengths uh, and opportunities on your team um, for every sort of, you know, potential situation, right? Whether that's like a, a you know, looking at uh, an open position that you need to hire for um, or looking at who who could take on that next, like, big assignment, um, things like that. Like, you have to, like, really consider across your team and not just look at the one or two go-to individuals that you're always thinking about. Um, I, I think also when we think about like providing development opportunities for, for people on the team, you know, how, how do we make sure that we're doing that in an equitable way? Um, I think there's, there's lots of ways that managers can apply um, uh, inclusive leadership principles to their day-to-day within their team in a way that, that can be really felt tangibly. Um, and a lot of that comes down to just, like, how you're treating everyone on your team, right? Are you creating this culture of respect? Do you shut down people if they are disrespectful? Um, uh, are you leading by example in terms of making sure that everyone in your team at meetings has a chance to, like, share their opinion, um, you know, uh, and, and making sure that you are recognizing people um, for the different ways that that they contribute, uh, I think all of those things are are really easily demonstrable ways that people can show that they're um, actually being inclusive leaders uh, that embrace and value diversity on their team. And you mentioned something uh, a couple of minutes ago, Cynthia, about. Uh, being curious and wanting to get educated and there's a scene from my it's it's i'm sure it's my favorite television show and i quote from it often called the west wing and Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. the chief of staff has just been told that there might be cases of mad cow disease in the western u.s Mm-hmm. And the first words out of his mouth were, I need somebody to teach me about this. 
You know, he realized immediately, I don't know anything about mad cow disease. I don't know what the implications are. I don't know what this means or what we should do about it. I need somebody to teach me about this. And I thought, that's the attitude we need so much more often than we see it. I agree with you. Uh, I, I think, you know, one of the um, great traits of being a leader is knowing what you don't know. Um, and um, Why is it so a- hard for us? And, and when I say us, I mean Americans, especially Americans in uh, leadership roles. Why is it so difficult to say, I don't know? And it's you even know, harder think, to say to superiors. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's definitely something that I've had to cultivate within myself uh, over the years, <laughs> right? <laughs> now, I, and that's why I say us, Cynthia, because, you know, I, I'm just as reluctant to admit I don't know something as anyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's because we we have uh, this this sort of cultural expectation that um, you know strength is 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 seen as like knowing everything and having the answer yeah. to everything. Um, and 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 I think you know <laughs> if you subscribe to like uh, Brene Brown and and read her work, right? You you tend to learn that strength doesn't isn't always associated with that. That you can be seen as just as strong if you actually display vulnerability and be, you know, your authentic self um, and not cover all of that up. Um, and, and I, you know, I've definitely had situations over the years where I've had to put myself out there um, in ways that I were, are not comfortable for me. Like I'm a, I'm a very much an introvert. Um, and when I first started my corporate career, especially in the diversity, equity, inclusion space, I, you know, would talk about other people and very rarely would I talk about myself. Um, and what I recognize over the years is that, that people want to, wanted to hear from me and about me. And so I started to share more of my personal stories um, in this space. And that's when I started to realize that people really respected that. Um, because it's hard, it's hard to, to get personal, um, uh, in front of like hundreds of people, (laughs) right? Um, and, uh, and, and I think that this work in particular calls for that, but I also think that that principle applies to any leader. Um, you know, I think that the more that we can show that we are human, um, and just like everyone else. Um, the more connection that you can create and empathy with other people. And, and that gives you a, a window into or opens that door for them to feel like, oh, you know, this is, this is somebody that I can relate to. This is somebody that, um, you know, who, who isn't that different from myself. And, um, and I, I can, you know, be inspired by what this person has achieved. Um, because if they're just like me, that means I can do that too. So I think that there's there's a lot to overcome in in what you know the, sort of that attitude of like you know I can do everything like I'm superhuman in so many ways <laughs> and nothing phases me. 
Um, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, I, I think that that's an ideal that a lot of people strive for, but it isn't like reality for many folks. And, and so I think you, you get a lot of people who, who feel, um, uh, that it's, it's much more authentic and, and, and real. Like if, if I can really, you know, see a person for who they are. So- um, and, and I find that, uh, I, I have found through my own experiences kind of like delving into that over the years that that is um, that can be just as inspiring, um, if not more. Right. I, I'm, I'm really open to people. Like if I don't know something, I don't know it. Um, and I'm okay with that. Right. But um, the, the point is the follow up. Right. Like I will tell people I may not know this, but I'm going to go figure it out or I'm going to go <laughs> find the answer. I'm going to go get the expert that does know this and like learn um, and, and that's what people care about. Well, the name of the book is All Our Welcome, How to Build a Real Workplace Culture of Inclusion that Delivers Results by Diversity and Inclusion Executive Cynthia Young. She is the founder of Breaking Glass Forums. Um, Cynthia, I ask this question of a lot of people who write books, and I always know that the first answer is going to be everybody, but as you were putting this book together, did you have an audience in mind of people that you especially would like to see read this book? Yes, uh, definitely wrote this book for anyone inside companies from the front line to top-level leaders who don't know what to do to get started around uh, driving for change in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging in their companies. Um, you know, who maybe have tried something and, and weren't successful, didn't, don't know what the roadmap of things that you need to consider and do in this space to really make progress. Um, you know, it could be somebody at large companies, small companies, um, just really people who haven't, uh, who are newer to the space, um, don't know what to do, and, and need that playbook of, uh, you know, practices um, and insight to be able to help them um, make progress. Uh, so that's really who I, I wrote the book for. Cynthia, we're almost out of time, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you, the book, what we've been talking about. Um, Cynthia, do you have a website that you'd like to share? I do. So uh, I actually have two. Um, uh, my website about the book is CynthiaOYoung.com, so fairly easy, hopefully, for, for people to find if they look up my book. Um, and then uh, the other website that I have is www.breaking.glass. Um, which is sort of that metaphorical, like breaking the glass ceiling, right. um, where I uh, have more information just about, you know, how do we actually um, help accelerate more diverse leadership um, inside corporations. So if people are interested in that, those are two ways to find me online, but you can also follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Well, Cynthia, what's next for you? You know, um, I have just been enjoying talking about the book and and spreading the word uh, about different uh, successful DEIB practices that people can undertake. Um, I do have a a full-time job. I'm also uh, a a 
leader of diversity, equity, and inclusion at a place called Robin Hood. Some folks, right. some of your listeners may have heard of it. Um, so that keeps me really busy um, for now. That's that's going to be the, the, the main focus for the foreseeable future. Well, Cynthia, thanks for spending some time with me and the listeners this morning and sharing your expertise uh, with us and in the book. Um, keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Take care. We're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be back with the final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program after we let our broadcast partners squeeze in a few words or do whatever they do when we go to break. We'll be back with more. Hey, (laughs) this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky Magazine. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. WH Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Lone Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Flipflip Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday, live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Ellen Sherman. 
Cleveland housewife and mother. Hi, I'm a nuclear physicist and commissioner of consumer affairs. In my spare time, I do needlepoint, read, sculpt, take writing lessons, and brush up on my knowledge of current events. Thursday's my day at the daycare center, and then there's my work with the deaf. But I still have time left over to do all my own baking and practice my backhand, even though I'm on call 24 hours a day as a legal aid. How does Ellen Sherman do it all? She's smart. She takes speed, the tiny blue diet pill you don't have to be overweight to need. And then I collect these paper bags, and I have them right here, all folded and everything. In case anyone needs a paper bag, I have Yes, one. speed. Because I fold them neatly, you know. I don't fold them just any old way. I Why not ask your family doctor for a prescription today? And when that runs out, you can ask your neighbor's doctor, and your mother's doctor, and your college roommate's doctor, and your best friend from high school's doctor. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Fine, fine welcome. And it's certainly very gratifying to know that you feel this way and that you people have accepted my being able to sub for Johnny this week because it seems to have caused quite a bit of difficulty around here at NBC. Uh, earlier this evening, I was in Johnny's dressing room and one of the wardrobe mistresses walked by and she sticks her head in the door. She sees me and she says, What are you doing in Johnny Carson's dressing room? <laughs> If he catch you in here, this is the last time you're going to be on this show. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very glad. <laughs> I'm very glad that you feel that. We, we will, during the course of the week, find some way to overcome her problem and firmly convince her that NBC, without a doubt, has established within everyone's mind that it is the full-color network. <laughs> what? fun for me. It's this, this entire week is going to be fun. I've looked forward to it. And, uh, in fact, to stand here and act so cool. I'm excited. I'm not nervous. I'm excited. In the dressing room, I felt good. I was thinking, you know, just different ways of expressing the enthusiasm. And I was saying to myself, Woo! <laughs> well, it's made me think back. This is a long way from where I started. You know, I used to work in a drive-in movie. That's right, it was really rough. But it was fun. It was a hard job, but it was fun. I used to go around and shine the light in the car, tell people when the picture's over. <laughs> I got $25 a week and all I could see. <laughs> I'd walk around and say, the picture's over, the picture's over! <laughs> I tried a lot of things. I tried a lot of things. I feel that I'm prepared to assume the responsibility for... Well, this job, this is, well, this job is like, uh, I feel like this job is like being at a weenie roast with me being the weenie. 
I just threw that in, you know? But, uh, yes, yes. I, I tried a lot of things. You know, coming along, I, uh, during my younger years, I tried, uh, I operated my own business. It was a lemonade stand, you know? And uh, it was doing pretty good. It, the way it went is I had a big sign over the lemonade stand called Flip's Lemonade, all you can drink for a dime. No, well, that was great, and it was going along pretty well. But then you always run into a wise guy, you know? One day a guy comes up to the stand, he says, uh, is this lemonade as good as everybody says it is? And I said, you better believe it. This lemonade is just as good as what your mother used to make. And the guy said, hmm, that gotta be some very good lemonade. <laughs> I said, and in addition to that, I give you all you can drink for a dime. You can't beat that. I said, let me tell you how I fix this lemonade. I put extra sugar in the glass. So that when you turn the glass up to drink it, the lemonade starts swirling around and that makes the sugar swirl and lemonade gets sweeter as you go down. You know, as it goes down, makes it taste better. And uh, then the lemonade is very cold. I put extra ice in the pitcher and then I pack the pitcher in the ice. And I said, yeah, that's all right. He said, uh, give me a glass. So I gave him a glass and uh, he says, I'll have another glass. I said, well, that'll be another dime. He said, now hold on. He said, the sign says all you can drink for a dime. I said, but you had a glass, didn't you? And I said, yes. I said, well, that's all you can drink for a dime. <laughs> but people, people caught on to that pretty quick, so I, I kind of cut the lemonade business loose, and I've worked toward tonight. And uh, during the course, now let me see, things are gonna be a little different with Johnny not here. The whole purpose of the show is fun. We're gonna try to have as much fun, you know? But other things will be different, such as uh, during the course of my opening spot, I'll eliminate Johnny's genuine, authentic golf swing. We won't have that this week. No, I wouldn't infringe upon the man's right to open, you know, that, that's not, that's his swing. You know, I swing another way. I got my own way of swing. <laughs> but uh, if, if Johnny's looking in tonight, I was thinking of some way. I don't play golf myself. Well, the ball is too small. If the ball was a little larger, I'd play. Uh, but in the elevator at the hotel I'm staying at, coming up on the elevator, I heard two guys discussing the game, and I thought it was a pretty amusing conversation. One fellow says to the other, he said, uh, say, George, he said, how's your golf game coming? George said, it's all right. It's all right. The fellow said, you should be pretty good. You and Freddie playing every other day. George said, look, he said, don't mention Freddie's name to me. He said, I don't want to talk about Freddie. You understand? So don't bring his name up to me. Oh, I said, but you and Freddie are such good friends. You guys play golf every other day. So I said, well, not anymore. So well, what happened? I said, look, I said, do you want to play with a guy who cheats on the score? Want to play with a guy who cheats? A guy who, if he makes a hole in one, he's going to take off two? <laughs> so you want to play with, you want to play with a guy who, who steals your clubs while you're watching the ball because somebody's already got your bag? <laughs> Do you want to play with a guy who'll run through the clubhouse yelling, burn, baby, burn? <laughs> do you want to play with a guy like that? And the fellow said, heck no. He said, well, neither do Freddy. <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
got so much to do these days But my mind is still on you always And though my seem that this dream I live Could only come between the love you give Working overtime, baby, don't you know So feel your end in mind and never let it go Cause I'm working overtime just for tomorrow it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. I want to say thanks to uh, all of you who listened. I hope you uh, enjoyed the conversation with uh, Cynthia O. Young this last uh, hour about inclusion and equity and leadership and so on. Also want to apologize that we didn't get a chance to talk to um, Linda Olson, hopefully we'll get that rescheduled, but I hope you enjoyed the conversation with uh, Seth David Radwell, uh, author of American Schism. He's been on the show a few times, and that was that was an encore to fill in because we didn't get to talk to Linda. And also, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with uh, the director and uh, playwright of uh, the Flint Repertory Theater production that's coming up this weekend. You can find out more about that at flintrep.org. But I want to say thanks to um, my guests today, uh, Jeremiah Davison, the uh, director 
And uh, the playwright, Josh Wilder, the play, uh, play is about the Flint water crisis called Wrong River. We'll be back tomorrow. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.